0: May we praise Him evermore and evermore. Thank you for your good singing to the Lord today. What an encouragement to rejoice in the virgin birth. This time of year especially, we think of joy, joy to the world. But we want to continue to beg that question, why is it joy to the world? And what does this birth announcement to Mary have to do with that? And so if you would have your Bible open to Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, we're going to dig into the storyline and consider why the birth of Jesus Christ, and specifically the announcement of his birth, is a reminder that Jesus is joy to the world. I want to begin with a little overview of this story. This does indeed give away the ending a little bit, but no big surprises here. You're familiar with the Christmas story. The angel bursts onto the scene with Mary, and he opens with this greeting in verse 28. The New King James translates it with the word rejoice, and that's an excellent translation. The word literally just means rejoice. Some of your Bibles may translate it as uh, greetings or hail Mary, because this was a word that was indeed commonly used as a greeting. Greet one another with this word, And so it's, you know, a friendly expression, rejoice, hello, you know, kind of thing. But that doesn't remove the meaning of the word. It still means rejoice. You could think of it maybe as our phrase when we say goodbye sometimes, or even goodbye is that way, goodbye, or take care, we might say. And sure, it's simply a farewell, and yet it's a farewell that carries meaning with it. And so this greeting, while it is a greeting, carries meaning. And it means rejoice. Gabriel is bringing good news to Mary. Now, as this unfolds, we're going to see exactly what that good news leads to. Why is this reason for Mary to rejoice? And as it unfolds, you're going to notice a distinction between Mary and the angel. And I my goal is not to be hard on Mary today, okay? She responds like any of us would have if an angel showed up in your living room and uh, greeted you uh, kind of vivaciously here with some news like this. But the distinction you'll notice is that Gabriel is just persistently encouraging and joyful through this. And Mary's kind of just stumbling back here like, oh, wait, what's going to happen? You know, <laughs> You said, what? How is that even possible? You know, she's asking these questions, and again, completely understandable. But it sort of begs the question, why why is Gabriel, on the one hand, so filled with joy and excitement about what he's sharing, and Mary's kind of, you know, uh, what? And I think it comes down to the phrase at the end of their interaction in verse 37, where Gabriel shares with Mary what he is confident in that's going to help her too. And he says to Mary, with God, nothing will be impossible. And so for Gabriel, I mean, this is good news. Who who cares that there's never been a birth like this before? This is going to be great. And when Mary hears those words, she then responds in similar fashion. And in verse 38 says, well, I'm the Lord's maidservant. Let it be according to his word. She's ready at that point. Why? Because with God, nothing will be impossible. This whole message to Mary is good news because with God, nothing will be impossible. And so friends, that's what we want to see as we work through this text today. Rejoice because with God, anything is possible. I just put a positive spin on it. You could say nothing will be impossible or you could say anything is possible possible. When God is ready to enact his plan, when he has spoken, when he has said that something will be a certain way, nothing can stop him. Anything is possible. Christmas ought to be that kind of reminder to us. As we remember what we celebrate this time of year, the birth of Jesus Christ, it's a reminder that God keeps his promises with power that what God has said He will do, because with God, anything is possible. Now, we can run with that phrase some dangerous directions, right? I can grasp that phrase, well, with God, anything is possible. And I can begin to say, well, could God create a rock so big He couldn't lift it? Maybe you've heard that phrase before. Uh, The most creative one I ever heard was, could God create a watermelon so big He could not eat it? I don't know who thought of that one, but anyway, (laughs) they must have liked watermelon. That's not where we're supposed to go with a phrase like this. That's just a fallacy of premise. If you've ever studied logic, it's a fallacy of premise. It's built on faulty logic. It's not a fair question to ask. But as we think about this phrase that anything is possible with God, we understand that God's speaking of those things that he wills to do. God doesn't use His infinite power to just do random silly things. God is enacting His purpose and plan, and that's good news. There's another dangerous direction we can run with a phrase like this. Oh, with God, anything is possible. I could use that in my life. If anything's possible, if I could just get God to do this for me, then we'd be in business here, right? But again... I'm just using God for my purposes, and that's not what God does with His will. When God says that anything is possible, He means for Him to accomplish His plan and His purposes and His promises. And don't think that that's second best here. That is the best, because God's plan and God's promises and God's purposes is the very best thing for us. He protects us, in fact, from what we would do with His power. He protects us from our silliness that we would use His infinite power to accomplish in our lives. And so it's good news, friends, that when God says anything is possible or with God nothing is impossible, He means His plan, His purposes, and His promises, and that's the best thing you could ever hear. So we rejoice. With God, anything is possible. That means a number of things we're going to discover as we go through the text. Number one, when we view the world this way, that with God, anything is possible, it means that when God steps in to keep His promises, we see it as grace. Others might be troubled with these divine interruptions when God, God's power leans into our lives. This is kind of what happens with Mary. She's sort of taken aback by what happens here. But when we remember that with God, nothing is impossible, anything is possible, it reminds us that then his divine interventions are grace. They're his favor, they're his kindness. And so we can trust him in those times. Look at me with verse 26 as we consider this section of the text. Luke gives us some background. It was the sixth month. That sixth month is not referring to the sixth month of the year. It's referring to the previous section where we learned uh, another miracle that God had done. He allowed Elizabeth to become pregnant in her old age. And Luke had just told us back in verse 24 that Elizabeth was in her fifth month. And so this update here in verse 26 means that now Elizabeth is in her sixth month of pregnancy. And that will come up again uh, towards the end of Gabriel's interaction with Mary. So we're in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy when this event occurs here in verse 26. The key of verse 26 is that phrase, Gabriel was sent by God. God is intervening into history here. And he sent his messenger That's what angels are. They're messengers of God. Gabriel's ready to bring the word of God to Mary. This is God's intentional intervention into Mary's life. Now, we don't find that out quite yet. The way Luke introduces it is that he's sent to a place in Galilee called Nazareth, which is a small region in the northern part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee. And the little village of Nazareth was mostly unknown It's like, well, wait a second. This is intentional. This is not expected here. It's not like God sent Gabriel to Jerusalem. No, this is Nazareth. God sent Gabriel to Nazareth. God's intentional here. We don't even find out her name until the end of verse 27. God sends Gabriel to a virgin, a woman who's not been with a man. And Luke is highlighting here the real miracle of this text God is doing something big. So God sends Gabriel to a virgin. Now also she's betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph. This is a crucial part of God's timing here. Betrothal was a little bit different than our engagement today because it was more legally binding in that day. It was a legal contract. In fact, if somebody was betrothed, it was considered that they really were married and it actually required divorce to break betrothal. The legal binding had already taken place. However, those betrothed to each other remained separate during their betrothal. They did not come together as husband and wife until after the marriage. So think of that for a moment. God brings this into Mary's life at just the right time. A time when legally she was bound to Joseph, and yet they had not been together in marital union. So this would be a virgin birth, and yet also legally bound to the name of Joseph. Because as Luke describes next, Joseph was of the house of David. Which meant that this child would both be conceived by a virgin and legally of the lineage of King David which is crucial to God fulfilling His promises. This comes at the perfect time. So, Luke gives us this background, and finally, at the end of verse 27, we find out her name is Mary. The angel bursts in in verse 28 and says to her, Rejoice! Highly favored one. We already talked about that word rejoice. It's a greeting, but it does mean rejoice. But that next phrase is interesting. Highly favored one. The the root of that long word in Greek, it's one word, and the root of it is the word grace. And it means that she's been greatly graced by God. Gabriel knows what he's about to share with her. And he's like, oh, Mary, you can't believe this. You've been favored by God. So he bursts in, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. What a statement, what a promise, what an encouragement to Mary as the angel bursts on the scene. That final phrase in the New King James there, blessed are you among women, is not present in some of the earliest manuscripts, and so some of your translations may not include it at all. It is stated by Elizabeth in Luke chapter 1, verse 42, and so something is taken from there and added here later. I don't. I think it's probably not original. I think Gabriel's words to her are most likely, rejoice, highly favored one, the Lord is with you. And so this encouraging introduction of God's presence, God's power, and God's grace. And so everything's just happy and exciting. But notice Mary's response. Verse 29, when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Now, we can understand Mary. I'm not trying to be critical of her here. She's troubled by all this. I mean, poof, there's this angel. And often there's fear associated with the appearance of angels. I mean, just here in Luke chapter 1, if you look back at verse 12, Zacharias, Elizabeth's husband, was visited by an angel, and he was also troubled. And Luke tells us that great fear was upon him. I mean, it's often a scary thing. Maybe the most common phrase we hear angels say in Scripture is, Do not be afraid. <laughs> We don't know all that they saw when they saw an angel, but this is sort of, you know, (laughs) what's going on here? But Mary's not only troubled by the appearance of the angel, she's troubled by the greeting. Most betrothals in this time period took place when a girl was 13 to 15 years old. Now, we don't know Mary's age. That's just what was common in that time period. There's a good possibility that she's... Really, just a young girl here. Can you imagine? 13 to 15 years old, and there's this appearance of the angel, and the angel says to you, highly favored one. Uh, what? <laughs> Me? I, I'm not highly favored. You know? <laughs> I think you got the wrong person here. Are you sure you bursted into the right home? No. We can understand where Mary's coming from. And so she doesn't get it, she doesn't understand, but Gabriel is persistent. Notice his words in verse 30. Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. That word favor is the word grace, same root as the phrase highly favored one. Gabriel's persistent here. No, it's you, Mary. Don't be afraid. You have found favor with God. You found grace with God. Messenger Gabriel shows up to tell her she is experiencing God's grace. God is present with her. He's ready to fulfill his promise in her life specifically. She gets to participate in the very fulfillment of God's word. Why such a difference between Mary's response and Gabriel's response? Because I think Gabriel already has on his mind, with God, nothing is impossible. Yes, it's you, Mary. You're the highly favored one. God's going to do something great and don't worry. that You don't have any power or anything to your name or you're just 13 to 15 years old potentially. Don't worry. God's going to do something amazing here. His grace is upon you. He's with you. How encouraging is that? And so the fact that God With God, anything is impossible means that His divine interruptions are grace. They're God's kindness. Now, this was, of course, very specific to Mary, right? She's the only one in human history to experience this virgin conception. And yet, these kinds of promises come to us who have trusted in Christ as Savior, that God is with us. And that in Christ, everything God does in our lives is then His grace and His favor. And so, friend, if you have trusted in Christ as Savior, it could be said of you that God's interventions in your life are always His kindness and His favor, His love. This is the way He interacts with us as His children. Sometimes this affects our circumstances we know that because God is in control, because He is almighty, there is no accident. There's no coincidence. Right? Everything is under the sovereign control of God. Which means that even in my circumstances, it's important for me to look to His grace. That, that interruption in your circumstances that He has allowed... and. It, It won't be this angel appearing in your living room, believe me. But the divine interruptions that God allows in our lives will come. The circumstances we weren't expecting. Remember, there's a sovereign God with whom nothing is impossible. And so even those troubling circumstances are His grace. God's at work favoring you in Christ. And so you can trust Him. And the, the virgin conception is a reminder of that. Yeah, this was a big interruption in Mary's life. Can you imagine? And so when we experience our interruptions to look to God, who is almighty, and to remember and to see those things as grace. It's not only, though, the circumstances of our lives, it's at times when His Word intervenes in our lives. Remember, this is Gabriel, the messenger, bringing the Word of God to Mary. This is not only intervention of circumstances. This is the very Word of God coming to Mary through Gabriel. We experience that in our lives as well, when God and His divine power intervenes in our lives with His Word. Whether it's a sermon that is preached something you read in your devotions, and you come across it and you realize, oh, I understand what that means. That means something significant for my life. I need to make some changes. I need to trust this promise. I need to live for Him, right? We respond to the Word when the Word intervenes in our lives. And God's not doing that with angels any longer because the Word is recorded on the pages of Scripture. And so when we open it, we need to be ready for this kind of divine intervention, how Scripture may come to bear on my life and on my heart. Maybe you're here in this service today by the almighty power of a sovereign God because God wants His Word to intervene in your life Today, because with God, nothing is impossible. And so we look to his divine interventions as grace. When God steps in to keep his promise, to keep his word, we see his grace. Now, this is not where the little interaction between Mary and Gabriel ends, it continues in verse 31. And there, Gabriel goes into this description of the plan of God. And this is clearly something that God has passed down to Gabriel to bring to Mary. This description of God's plan. And in God's sovereignty, he knew Mary would be helped by knowing this. And he also knew that Luke would write it down for us someday. So you and I could have it and understand what the plan of God was with Jesus. And what we're going to see as we study this plan in verses 31 through 34 is that when God reveals his plan, we're to see his wisdom. Again, there's a difference in viewpoint between Gabriel here and between Mary. And I'm not trying to be critical of Mary, but she's going to hear this and come to the end of it and say, how is that possible? And it's understandable. And yet Gabriel's just kind of saying things as they are. He's like, hey, this is how it's going to unfold. This is going to happen, and this is going to happen, and this is going to happen. Why? Because Gabriel knows that with God, nothing is impossible. So let's consider. When God reveals his plan, we see his wisdom. Verse 31, Gabriel begins to declare this plan, and he says to Mary, Behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. Well, I mean, we could pause there, and that's pretty big news to begin with, right? You're going to have a baby. This is a birth announcement to Mary, who's never been with a man. And so already she's kind of beginning to scratch her head, and we'll see that she Maybe even stops listening at this point. I don't know, but this is like, this is what really impacts her here. You're going to have a son. Uh. <laughs> what? <laughs> Gabriel explains that the son is going to be called Jesus. And you know the name Jesus means one who saves. A savior is going to be born. Verse 32, the plan continues. Here we have five descriptions in verses 32 and 33 of what this son will be like. These are just rich. The first description, he will be great. The best of the best, the highest one. He is to be revered. The next description, he will be called the son of the highest. They use the term son to describe an exact copy Right, So when a son uh, you know, kind of imitated the attributes of a father, they would say, ah, you're the son of so-and-so. And so this phrase means he's the son of the highest, an exact copy of God most high. The highest is, of course, a reference to God, son of the highest. Not only that, the next description says he will be, uh, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. So now we understand this one is to fulfill God's promise to David. That promise is given in 2 Samuel chapter 7. That David's throne would be the everlasting throne over God's people Israel. And so now we learn that this son, this Jesus, is to be the one given the Davidic throne. But not only that, we also learn that he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. This will be Israel's king The one that Mary is going to give birth to will be Israel's king to reign forever. But that's not it. The final description in verse 33, of his kingdom there will be no end. Just to be sure we didn't miss the fact that he would reign over the house of Jacob forever, Gabriel finishes it all by saying, and of that kingdom there will be no end. It goes and goes and goes and goes. This is an eternal king. Mary gets to bear. Whoa! I mean, these, are, these are huge bits of news from God through Gabriel to Mary and the incredible wisdom of God. Remember, we mentioned already that what Gabriel is saying here is that this child will be both The Davidic king of the line of David to fulfill the promises of God. And yet at the same time, born of a virgin, therefore, son of the highest. So somehow, at the same time, both the son of God and the son of David, the only way God could fulfill his promise that this king would reign forever. How cool is that? The wise and perfect plan of God. Mary hears all of this, and I get it. She responds in verse 34. How can this be, since I do not know a man? She'd never been with a man in marital union, and so she knows how things work here. And it's like, well, this is not possible. I've never been with anybody before. So how can this be? And certainly, you or I would respond the same way. We live by our sort of laws of nature, and we sort of process everything with that view. Well, this is how things work, and so you know, anything else is impossible. But Gabriel knows something that Mary will learn. With God, anything is possible. And so Gabriel's just unfolding the incredible plan of God, and Mary is taken aback. When God reveals His plan, we see His wisdom where others might be skeptical because we remember that with God, everything is possible. This means that we see His plan as perfect. We see His Word as sure. We know that His promises will be done. Nothing shakes us when we look to the Word of God and the plan of God and the promises of God because we know He will fulfill His Word. And he'll break the laws of nature if needed, because with God, anything is possible. Sometimes all we see are the roadblocks. Well, that can't happen. Okay, so God says that, but how's this going to play out? Seems impossible to me. How's God going to make the gap in my finances? How's God going to fix my vehicle? How's God going to bring me through this health crisis? How's God going to show me His goodness in this? Right. We, we look at our circumstances and we, all we can see is roadblocks. Sometimes we see ourselves as the roadblocks. In fact, I think this may even be what's going on with Mary here. Well, it can't be me. I'm not this highly favored one. I've never been with a man. You've got the wrong girl. Maybe that's what she's thinking. She's herself as the roadblock to God's plan here. And this can happen in our lives as well. I'm not good enough or I'm too big of a mess. I haven't done enough good things. This can't be true for me. But what God says He will do. When God makes a promise, He keeps it, because with God, anything is possible. So, friends, that's good news for us. But the good news continues as the story unfolds. Mary has posed her question, how can this be possible? Or put another way, this is impossible, right? I think God knew Mary would ask that question because Gabriel has a little bit more information. This isn't just Gabriel being smart here. We know that when angels bring the word of God, it's because they got it from God. Angels don't just know all this stuff. Their knowledge comes from God. And so... Gabriel has a little bit more to share here, and I think it's a cool peek into a little behind-the-scenes glimpse that a sovereign God knew that Mary would need a little bit more information, and so sent Gabriel with a little extra. She's going to ask. Yeah, we don't know how it all went between Gabriel and God, but Gabriel has more, and so in answer to her question, he explains. Verse 35. The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. Let's pause there in verse 35. Gabriel shares some massive bits of information here, and we don't don't have all the details, but how how is this going to even be possible? And he answers, well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. So this is the work of God's spirits. And the virgin conception has been the, the study of theologians for centuries since this prediction. But it just rolls off the tongue of Gabriel. Well, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you'll conceive and bear a sign. You know, God's going to do it. <laughs> okay. Not only is God the Spirit involved, God the Father is involved. It says that the highest will overshadow you. Not only will he overshadow you, but specifically the power of God. The power of the highest. This miraculous thing will take place by the very power of God. It's as if Gabriel's saying, Mary, don't worry. This is not about you. This is about the power of God. This is a work that God is going to accomplish. God will do this. It also confirms that as we've been talking about, this child will be both 100% man and 100% God of the lineage of David and also the Son of God, God in the flesh, conceived by the Holy Spirit. The one who is born will be called the Son of God. And so it's clear, this child is the solution, is the fulfillment of God's promises. Now, just to help Mary, Gabriel shares a little bit more. Remember, this is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. And so he shares with Mary something that will prove to be helpful. He says to her, indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for who for her who was called barren. So Gabriel lets Mary in on another miracle that has taken place. God has given Elizabeth a child, the one who was barren. And as, you know, we're not going to study this passage, but Mary will go and visit Elizabeth and, and see the living proof that God's word is indeed sure, that God indeed can do everything and so after sharing about the work of God's Spirit, the power of the highest overshadowing her, then Elizabeth's child, it comes to verse 37, the climax of all of this, as Gabriel says to Mary, for with God, nothing will be impossible. Answer to Mary's question, how is this possible? Basically, the answer is God. With God, nothing will be impossible. What God says He will do, so believe it. And so what we see in this section here is that when God fulfills His plan, we see His power. When God fulfills His plan, we see His power. As Gabriel unfolds how this plan will go and even brings in the example of Elizabeth, who is with child, the barren one who is with child, it becomes clear that God's power is what brings this to pass. Don't worry about how, Mary. With God, nothing is impossible. It's God's power that brings His Word to pass. And so in those times when God has spoken, when His plan becomes clear, we trust we see His power at work. Rather than diverting down the road of, oh, oh no, it's impossible. It's never going to happen. How will this? Be? We say, I will trust a God of power who has said this is how it will be. With God, anything is possible. His promises are sure. When He speaks, we get on board. Now, the section closes in verse 38 with a sweet response from Mary. Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. It's just a, this, this statement of submission to God. Ah, Behold, she's kind of talking of herself here. The maidservant of the Lord. Okay, <laughs> whatever God wants, whatever God has, I, I, I'm His servant. And then she says, Let it be to me according to your Word. The Word of God has been spoken through the messenger Gabriel. And there's just this sweet submission from Mary that says, okay, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be just as you said, just as God's Word has spoken. Let's do this. Mary's ready. She's submitted. She accepts the Word of God and responds with this humble faith that trusts that God will do this, and she yields to it in her own life. With God, anything is possible, and this means that we see His promises as sure. And when His Word comes to us, we get on board. (laughs) Okay, Lord, I believe You. I trust You. I'm Your servant. Let it be just as you have said. Sometimes we try to take charge ourselves. We understand what God has said and we think, well, I'll figure out how to make this work. So we try to wrangle our circumstances. We try to control those around us to try to force to come to pass what we think is God's good plan in our own power. But that's a little different. Then how Mary responds here, I'm your servant. Let it be just as you have said. Sometimes we resist the word of God. We know what God is trying to do in our hearts through his word, but we, we push back. No, not yet. The timing's not right. I'll deal with that in my heart when it's time. This needs to happen and this needs to happen. I'm just not ready. I know what you want me to do, God, but we resist. But instead, in light of the infinite power of God, because with God, anything is possible, friends, you and I must then submit and trust and get on board with the plan of God, the promises of God, the Word of God. This Christmas, as you see the glorious power of God demonstrated in the virgin conception of the Davidic King, the Son of God, who will reign forever. Let it compel you to take God at His word. To remember that with God, nothing is impossible. And so in humble faith, to just believe and submit to the Word of God in your life. We can look around us to all sorts of trouble. The worries that press in, maybe in our own lives, our own health, our own finances. The surprises, the shocks, the difficulties that creep in and occupy our thoughts when we're trying to fall asleep. And the worries about politics and what's going on in this country and what's going to happen here. And all of these things begin to bombard us. But let this Christmas season be a time when you lift your eyes To the one with whom nothing is impossible. Who always keeps his word. Whose promises are sure. I wonder where do you need to trust him today? And with Mary to just sweetly before the Lord say, I'm just your servant, Lord. I know I can't do this. But I also know your power is enough. I trust you. I yield to you. Let it be just as you have said in my life. Maybe here that you're here today and you wonder whether God's power is even enough to forgive you of your sins. Do you know what will happen to you in eternity? Maybe you've been working towards that in some ways, right? Kind of weighing how much bad you've done and how much good you've done. And okay, well, this Christmas season, I just try to do a little more good and maybe I can outweigh the bad. But, friends, that's not how it works. Just like this gift to Mary that would be accomplished completely by the power of God, so too is our salvation. It is all of God's favor, God's grace. And it's only when we realize that I bring nothing to the table and say with Mary, I, just let it be according to your word, I trust you. It's only then that we experience God's salvation. When we come to the cross and recognize that it's completely the work of God, of Christ, on the cross who died for my sins who rose from the grave, whose perfect righteousness is enough for me to be accepted by God, that He alone can save me. And then we say to God, I am not worthy, I'm a sinner, but I trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior, that we then experience the power of God in our lives, Because with God, nothing is impossible. Friend, no matter what you've done, He can cleanse your sin by the blood of Jesus Christ. Friend, no matter what your past or what you will do, the righteousness of God in Christ makes you accepted in Him. This is a miracle of God. And it's what we remember at Christmas, that the great promise of God to make you His child when you trust in Jesus Christ Nothing is impossible with God. Would you trust Him today? It may be that you need to trust Him with your circumstances. It may be that you need to stop resisting the Word of God in your life and just say sweetly to the Lord, let it be according to your Word. I don't know where you're at today, but friend, I just encourage you this Christmas season, lift your eyes to the God who sent His Son by virgin conception at the perfect time, unlike any other birth in history, so that this Son would be the Son of God and the Son of David, so God would perfectly fulfill His promises and send for you a Savior who is Christ the Lord. Trust Him today and rejoice because with God nothing is impossible. Father, we thank you for your almighty power. We praise you for what you have done in Christ, for demonstrating your power to fulfill your word. And so help us this season to rejoice because with you, Anything is possible. You will always fulfill your word. You will always keep your promises. And so as we are in your word this season, may we take your word by faith. May we humbly submit to what you have to say. As we remember that with you, nothing is impossible. And we praise you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.